You're listening to the DNB Supply Show podcast, your number one resource for living the country lifestyle. This is your host, Matt Breckwald, coming to you from my place in the country to yours. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the D&B Supply Show. Hey, this is your host, Matt Breckwald. Thank you so much for joining us again today. Well, I got to tell you, I have been wanting to profile the FFA a little bit more on this show for a while. And there's a reason for that. You know, in every rural community all around the United States, the high schools generally will have an FFA chapter. And what's being taught to these students in these FFA chapters are really doing a ton to set these students up for success later in life, whether they go straight to work right after high school or into college or into the military or whatever it may be, they are getting a skill set in high school that you rarely see taught anywhere else. And so I really saw an opportunity today to do two things. I've been wanting to profile agriculture and the state of Oregon more on the show. And I've also been wanting to profile and talk about the FFA more for all of you as well. I really love telling people about this great organization. And I found the opportunity to do that today by interviewing one of the newly elected Oregon state officers for the state officer team in the Oregon FFA. So today I'm going to be speaking with Keegan Gibbs. Now Keegan lives in Hepner, Oregon, which is just, I guess, about an hour and a half southwest of Pendleton. And that's about as far about as far west as DNB reaches, both with our radio show as well as our stores. But it, it was great to speak with him. Uh, he does shop at DNB up in Pendleton, and and uh, he comes from a very small town out there in Oregon. But he is serving as the state treasurer this year for the state officer team there in Oregon FFA, and he is a big fan of Oregon agriculture, a big fan of Oregon FFA, of course, and FFA in general, and what a great ambassador to talk about this organization. So today, I'm going to spend some time with him talking all about his journey, what he's been able to do, and why this might be the exact right fit for a young person in your life. We'll have that coming up for you here in just a moment. Keegan, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for joining me today. No problem. Thank you for having me. Hey, you bet. You know, I I get to interview a lot of FFA students kind of over the span of different shows that I do, but it's not something I've done as much for the DNB Supply Show, but I'm I'm thrilled to be able to do it and to be able to profile everything that you've been achieving in the state of Oregon. So I, it is really a pleasure for me to be able to speak with you. And I'd love just to have you introduce yourself to our audience. If you could just tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, who you are, what you do, and where you live. Well, my name is Keegan Gibbs. I come from Hefner, Oregon. Um, I've been growing up in that small community, very supportive people in the community who support me in everything I do in FFA and ex- in excess, everything else. Uh, I've been growing up around farms my whole life. I don't grow up in production agriculture, but I worked on production agriculture my entire life. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just got involved in FFA at a young age and Okay. Involved ever since. Now, where is Hepner in the state of Oregon? Kind of give us a geographic description of where it's located. It's about an hour and a half southwest of Pendleton, and about an hour west of Hermiston. Okay. Is it a big town? Is or is Hepner what what we consider a small town? Pretty small. We have about twelve hundred people in our town and about 110 kids attend my high school okay. or so a small two a school and so you grew up with agriculture all around you not necessarily on a farm but you found yourself working in in agriculture that on surrounding farms is that right yeah my uh dad is involved with a government agency called nrcs uh-huh. which is natural resource conservation conservation service mm-hmm. 
So uh, he knew a lot of people and my two older siblings worked for a lot of different farmers and ranchers. So I got involved through my parents' connections and my siblings' connections straight into agriculture. Now, have you done work mostly like in row crops or with livestock? A little bit of both. Actually, my largest thing I did was working harvest a little bit outside of Echo, Oregon, which is pretty close to Hermiston. And I worked on a wheat wheat harvest for about a year or two there. And then my livestock, I raised livestock all through 4-H and FSA. I showed sheep. Uh-huh. And I was involved helping ranchers around with branding, moving cattle, with cattle drives. And then actually last year, my junior year, my summer of my junior year, I traveled to Australia mm-hmm. for about two and a half months. And I worked on a sheep farm in Australia for about two and a half months. Oh, wow. That is really interesting. Now, did that have something to do with the FFA or was that something separate? I credit it to the FFA for sure. There was a local kid who went through a program at OSU. And the program at OSU was every two weeks he went to, he went to Australia for a whole year. And every two weeks he traveled to a different farm in Australia. And one of the farms he went to said, we need some help over the summer it wouldn't be a paid job, but we could pay all of the expenses. Mm-hmm. So he got a hold of my ag advisor because he's an old FFA kid. And my ag advisor then asked me. So I do credit it for FFA. Absolutely. Man, do they have do they have this program for 46-year-old males? I want to do this. I want to go to Australia and work on a different farm. <laughs> it was really cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not sure about that, but... They needed help. Now, out here in, in Oregon and Idaho, you know, what, what I'm familiar with when it comes to, to ranching sheep is, you know, you see the wagons and you see the the herders who were following the herds all over the BLM and the National Forest Ground and, and things like that. Uh, what were your tasks? What did they need help with from you uh, while you were in Australia? So, my main job in Australia was they had about 700 ewes on about 600 acres, okay. which is very different to what I'm used to over in Eastern Oregon. Usually you have several thousand acre um, areas, and this was just a couple hundred acres and a lot of uh, ewes on the acreage. So very intense farming, very wet, like the Willamette Valley is. Mm-hmm. And uh, my main job was all the triplets that they had on their ewes, they would take one triplet off, and if they ever had a sick ewe, they would take both lambs off of that ewe, and they'd raise it on an automatic milker. Okay. So my job was to make sure the lambs were drinking from the automatic milker, and then when you have a newborn lamb, within their first 12 hours, they need colostrum straight from the ewe, Mm -hmm. and if the ewe is sick or if there's triplets, they're not going to be able to get that colostrum as well as other healthy lambs. So they had uh, colostrum from a dairy, so I would heat up colostrum every four hours. I'd wake up and I'd go give it to a newborn lamb to make sure it could get that nutrients it needs in its first twelve hours. Wow, really interesting. Now, was it mm-hmm. was it difficult to get these lambs started on these automatic milkers? It was at first because they've been with their mom for a couple hours, and you just take them away and you put them on this milker. Which might sound kind of bad, but it's what it needs to be able to get certain nutrients and be able to survive. Mm-hmm. So we would grab it and we'd have to put it on and we start it by a bottle, a straight bottle from the colostrum, and it'd get used to sucking on the bottle. And then we'd slowly graduate it to uh, the, the nipple from the automatic milker. Mm-hmm. And that took a couple hours, usually with just one lamb, uh, just sitting there, just repeatedly putting its head on the nipple. And then once it got 
the hang of it, knew exactly where it was. It didn't need our help anymore, so we were hands off. Well, so you went down to Australia during our summer, so it was their winter, mm-hmm. correct? It was. So what uh, what were the winter conditions like where you were at in Australia? Where I was at was southern Australia. It's a Victoria. I was about four and a half hours from Melbourne, and it was rainy, very rainy. I think it frosted maybe once or twice when mm-hmm. I was there. Mm-hmm. So I was about half an hour from the coast. So most of the time I was there, it was either raining, fog, or sunshiny days and 60 to 70 degree weather. So a lot better weather than what I'm used to uh, <laughs> on the winter time. Fascinating. Well, fascinating introduction. Well, let's do this. I called to talk to you all about FFA, but if I'm not careful, I will get sidetracked and then we will spend the whole time talking about your experience in Australia. So here's <laughs> yes, what we're going to do. Amazing. I'm going to take our first break. We'll hit the reset button. And when we come back, I want to talk to you about FFA and everything you've been able to accomplish there. All right. For work, play, or a little bit of both this winter, stop by D&B Supply for Wrangler gear. From flannel line jeans to stylish shirts and jackets, fit for the field or a night out, Wrangler has you covered. Established in 1947 with the spirit of courageous individuality, Wrangler apparel is designed to last and look good to boot. With new styles and great fits, it's clothing that wears well no matter what the season or what life throws at it. So stop by your favorite D&B and get covered this winter in Wrangler gear. When it comes to legendary performance, only a few chainsaws make the cut, like the Husqvarna lineup available at D&B Supply. Years of razor-sharp research led to many of Husqvarna's breakthrough technologies, including anti-vibration dampeners to reduce the impact on your arms and hands, plus a combined choke and stop control that makes the chainsaw easier to start. When you have your work cut out for you, get her done with Husqvarna. Pick one up at your favorite D&B Supply. Well, Keegan, I, like I said, I, I could just keep going on and on about your experience down there, and I'll probably have more questions for you. But let's talk about FFA for a moment, because you are one of the, the state officers representing Oregon FFA this year, which congratulations on that. That is quite an accomplishment. Thank you. You bet. And I, I want to know more about your time in FFA. So how long have you been a member? I've been an official member since eighth grade year. So I want to say that was either 2014 or 15, which is kind of rare because usually you can only join FFA when you're a freshman mm-hmm. and you uh, there's something called a discovery program where uh, junior hires can come in. Uh-huh. But in my high school, since it was small enough, we were able to have eighth graders be actually part of the chapter. So my eighth grade year, I was directly involved in the chapter. And so how old are you now? I'm 18 now. Okay. So then you've been, is it been five years that you've been an FFA member then? Yes. Yeah, so this, this will be year six. Year six. Okay. So you're going on year six and did you graduate high school this last spring or the year before? Uh, last spring, 2019. Interesting. So you became a state officer, then you were installed, I guess, your senior year of high school. Is that right? Yes. So in March of 2019 was a state convention first week of spring break and we go through a three-day interview process probably one of the most stressful weekends of my life i don't think i ate anything the entire time very intense interview process and after the end of the week uh you make top 10 or not you make there's two cuts so we started with 26 other candidates and through the interview processes cuts happened and then top 10 and then we had to give a two-minute speech in front of two delegates from every chapter in the state. So over 200 people. 
And then they voted on the positions based on the nominating committee's slate that they had that they thought the position should be at. Okay. And then we were elected. And um, I think I missed two or three weeks of school maybe after that, mm-hmm. traveling to different camps and doing just trainings and duties. But I was still able to graduate with flying colors. And after June of graduation, uh, got right back into state office. So is it typical across the nation for all 50 states to elect their state officers while they're still in high school? Or is that normally something that happens once you're off to college? It differs very drastically for every state. So some states, they do it like we do. And it's while you're in high school and then you have to take a gap year. Okay. Some of them have to be in college. Um, so they would have to be the freshman in college. Some of them are still in high school. So they would be juniors or seniors in high school and they'd be a state officer. Okay. But then they might not have as many duties as a, other state officers might. Some of them, uh, the whole team would be right out of high school but then maybe the president would have to be on last year's team. So they have experience. Okay. So they would be freshmen in high school or college. And then some of them have to take a year off like we do. And some of them go to college while they're a state officer. So serving as a state officer for the FFA in Oregon, you're required to take this first year of college off to fulfill your duties. Yes. So we are on the road. I think our team and I counted the other day about 280 days of the year. So we're on the road traveling to different chapters or flying to Washington, D.C. to advocate with our legislators. Mm-hmm. We're just traveling a lot to different places. So how much we're on the road, we wouldn't be able to be able to keep up with school by any means. Wow, very interesting. And this is done uh, for you as a state officer. So you, you talked about having somebody with experience uh, in some places. Let's talk about your experience. Before you were a state officer, while you were in your chapter in Hepner, uh, were you serving as a chapter officer? Yes. So I was a chapter officer for three years. I was chapter secretary my sophomore year, and then I was chapter president for the two years after that. Okay. And then in Oregon, the way it works is you have the state association, and then from there, you have 12 districts in Oregon FFA. Okay. And from there, the 12 districts have district officers. So I was also a district officer for three years. So first year, I was district uh, treasurer, and then sentinel, and then district president. And then this year, I was elected for state office. So while you were a chapter officer for, for Hepner FFA, you were simultaneously serving as a district officer for the district that Hef- Hefner is in. Yes, and that would be the Blue Mountain District, and that would encompass 11 schools, basically, in the Columbia Basin Unit. So that would be okay. Pendleton, Hermiston, Athena, Weston, Boardman, Irrigan, Hebner, Ione, and just all those different areas. Very good. And why, why did you join FFA in the first place? What brought you in? I jokingly said a, a girl um, <laughs> joined FFA, so I slowly joked, but it was actually my um, siblings. Uh, I'm the youngest of the family. And both of my siblings were involved in FFA pretty heavily. Mm-hmm. So I thought that it would be a great way for me to be able to join FFA. I kind of want to follow their footsteps. But then when I actually joined FFA, both of my siblings were very involved. But when I joined, it was just, I automatically fit in. The chapter is very welcoming to me. I was involved in sports my whole high school career, and I learned a lot from sports. Uh-huh. But what I got out of FFA for me was a lot better than what I got out of sports. 
I really enjoyed sports, but FFA was just a place I could fit in. I was able to be sociable, talk to other people. A lot of new opportunities were open up to me. Mm-hmm. So just as soon as I joined that first chapter, I had a, I had a senior come up to me and was very welcoming to me. And I knew right then and there that I wanted to be more involved. So I got as involved as possible. Awesome. Let's, let's take our second break here, Keegan. When we come back, I want to know more about your journey. All right. Alrighty, thank you. Say you were to ride off into the sunset. Ideally, what kind of boots and clothes would you be wearing? For horseback riders of all styles, nothing beats the look and performance of Ariat. Available at DMB Supply. Everyone from famous rodeo cowboys to country music legends to equestrian Olympians. Turn to Ariat with confidence. You can count on them too. Think of Ariat as your ultimate riding companion for the life and times in the West. When you need to better outfit your ride with Ariat, stop by your favorite DMB Supply. It's a pretty super life here at DMB Supply, even for dogs and cats, because we now carry Wildology. The only pet food with Super Life Pro, a live probiotic blended with superfoods. Wildology is filled with the good stuff your pet needs to support a healthy body and immune system, like wholesome proteins, kale, chia seeds, and blueberries. Because a healthy pet makes for a happy pet. Unleash your pet's superpower and pick up Wildology cat and dog food at your favorite DB supply. So, Keegan, you know, it, it's great that you joined the FFA. What motivated you to become an officer and then later compete to be a state officer? My eighth grade year, I went to my first district leadership camp. So when, with the state officers, you have state convention. And then at district level, you have something called district leadership camp. And that's where chapter officers can go when leadership skills are just regular members of the chapter can get mm-hmm. kind of a taste of what FFA really is. And when I was there, I met a state officer who kind of invested in me and kind of just took the time out of their day to be able to talk to me. And like I said, as soon as I joined FFA, I was completely involved. So I already looked up to those state officers. So at that point, when that state officer taught me some really valuable skills and just took the time out of their day to talk to a little eighth grader, Mm -hmm. it really changed my life. And I kind of decided then I wanted to run for state office. But what really got me involved in FFA was the chapter. Uh, I had a couple amazing leaders in my chapter who were seniors at the time. And like I said, I was involved in sports. So there's a couple kids who were always really, really good at sports Uh that I looked up to as a kid. And they were very involved in FFA. They were there making it fun. They were saying, hey, you should do this. You should try this. This It's going to make you grow as a person if you do this. And once you had those leaders in the chapter telling little kids that they could do this and that they were the ones that would be able to be the future, that was what really got me involved for sure. That was great. So now that you're a state officer and you're, so I guess you would be in your first year of college if you were not doing this. So you'll start college next year, I would assume. Is that, is that the plan for you? Mm-hmm. It is. Okay. Do you know where you're going to go and what you're going to study yet? In the beginning of my year, I was dead set on Oregon State, and I wanted to be an ag uh, agriculture educator, so an FFA advisor, okay. an ag teacher. And now going through my year, I've been traveling around all these different places. I've met a lot of new business and industry people. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking I might go to University of Idaho, maybe, or still Oregon State. Not 100% sure. And I still think I'm going to be an ag teacher. Um, I just love FFA and being an FFA advisor. Okay. Um, I think it'd be a very rewarding job for me, uh-huh. but I might also get uh, another major in ag business or something so I can maybe be an ag salesman or something like that. Okay. Um, I'm not a hundred percent sure, 
but right now it's an ag teacher for sure. Okay. Well, we'd love to have you over in, here in Idaho as well. What put the University of Idaho on your radar? Um, there's been a couple of people that I worked for in Hepner who went to uh, University of Idaho and thought it was a great school. And uh, there's a couple people that I've talked to that thought U of I was a great ag college. Mm-hmm. And they are just a really good program and they have strong support from the community. They're also close to Pullman and Moscow is just a cool town. Oregon State definitely has a better program for their masters for their ag education. Okay. So that's why I'm leaning towards Oregon State. But um, as maybe a college overall for agriculture, sometimes you buy stronger in some areas over Oregon State. Okay. And what compels you to want to return to the classroom as an FFA advisor? <laughs> My FFA advisor is truly one in a million. I couldn't have asked for a better one. She invested her time in me. And I can see the way kids nowadays, especially as an FFA, advi- FFA state officer, we travel around and we give workshops in different classes and things. Mm-hmm. And um, I couldn't imagine a more rewarding job when a kid comes up to an advisor or us as a state officer and say, hey, I really want to do this. I think it could change my life. Or, hey, when you said this to me, it really impacted me. And having that kind of feeling, I know I did that to my advisor several times when she forced me to do something that I didn't want to do or <laughs> told me I'd be really good at something I didn't think I'd be good at. Uh-huh. And then I actually tried it and um, I grew as a person. And if I was able to do that for just one kid as a teacher, it'd be well worth it. And I think it'd be a very rewarding job, not for the money, but for the outcome I'd get. So who is that FFA advisor that helps you so much? Let's uh, give her a shout out. Beth Dickinson. She's amazing. Well, thank you for doing that. Interesting. So here you are, uh, you're serving this year as a state officer. Now there's also national officer team. Is that something that you're interested in pursuing? Um, I've thought about it. Uh, one of my kind of FFA mentors, she was just elected to national office actually this year. Mm -hmm. So it's something that I kind of looked into, but uh, it'd be, again, you'd have to take a whole nother year off college. So right now I am undecided. I think it would be a great experience. You'd be able to travel the entire nation and they even get to go to Japan and they have a lot of really cool opportunities mm-hmm. just like state officers do. And I feel like if I didn't run, I might regret it. Uh, say that, like, why did I do it? Sure. But if I do run, I might have to take another year of college if by some rare chance I got it. So I'm not 100% sure if I'd want to run or not. All right. Well, you've got time to make that decision yet. I do. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. All right. Well, let's take another break. And then when we come back, I'd love it if you would explain to our listeners what a supervised agricultural experience as well as a career development event is. Okay. Awesome. We'd love to. All right. We'll be right back. You wear jeans, but you live in Levi's. At DMB Supply, we've got a pair to fit you just right. Iconic and hardworking. Levi's are legendary. Worn by cowboys, rock stars, and everyday people, we carry different washes, styles, and sizes for both men and women. These jeans are ready for anything your day brings, from working outside to a night on the town. The denim legacy lives on every time you put them on. So pick up some Levi's at DMB. All right, Keegan. Well, I, I kind of gave a hint as what we're going to talk about, but you can start with whichever one you're most comfortable talking about. But uh, there's an SAE, a supervised agricultural experience, and there's a CDE, a career development event. And I think these are two of the reasons that FFA just stands out as probably the premier 
youth organization, especially in education that, that is out there. And I'd love it if you could explain to our listeners what both of those things are. Yeah, absolutely. So in, I 100% agree in the fact that it's called the Ag Education Three Circle Model. So there's three, the Venn diagram, there's three different sections of the Venn diagram that make FFA and Ag Education kind of above the rest, above mm-hmm. average. And SAE would be the one I like to talk about. That's the one thing that other organizations do not have. So other organizations have competitions that you're able to do, and they have different things that might public speaking that kind of makes you go out of your comfort zone. Uh-huh. Uh, and then the SAE is the one thing that kind of sets it apart. So SAE would be some kind of job. There's three different types. There's the entrepreneurship, there's a placement, and um, of course now I'm drawing a blank on the third. Oh, um, ag or science anyways, research. Yes, you're right. So there's several different kinds of SAEs that you could do, and this could be a job working on the farm. This could be as simple as working at a yogurt shop downtown. I've seen kids make their own businesses. For me, my SAE was when I went to Australia. And the reason this sets kids FFA members apart from everyone else is it gives them the experience that they need inside a workforce before they go to that workforce. Okay. It forces the kids to be able to work on a farm, be able to work in some kind of team environment, mm-hmm. uh, be bossed around like they would in real life. <laughs> and it okay. gives them that experience. And that experience of working on a team, of working with others, of working just in general, uh, maybe starting their own business, running a checkbook, everything, mm-hmm. all those different aspects that apply with an SAE, it gives kids experience, and that's just one step ahead that they have over everyone else. And there's there's quite a bit of record keeping that goes into that as well, isn't there? There is. It's a lot of uh, organizations. So sometimes it used to be a handwritten record book, but now there's something called AET, which is Agriculture Experience Tracker. Uh-huh. And AET is, a, is something that you're able to go on, uh, record how much money you put into an animal, how much money you put into a project how much money you got into it, how many hours you put into it, what your outcome was, if it was what you wanted, if it wasn't what you wanted. Mm-hmm. And then uh, members are then able to look at what they can change the next year if they want to change it again. Be able to look, hey, this this worked really well last time, but this was really bad. And it just shows in the numbers. It's facts. It's not just something that they have in their memory. It's facts that they have on the AET. And they're able to look at it and say, hey, I should change this in some way, shape, or form. So it's really beneficial in that sense as well. Now, what is a CDE? So CDE is a career development event. And that is another thing that kind of sets FFA apart from others for the sole reason that the ag advisors that help you um, prepare for a CDE, a career development event, they're going to be like paid professionals and other organizations. It's volunteer work. Mm Mm-hmm. Our ag advisors are getting paid to be able to do this. They know what they're talking about. They had an education to be able to go through it and be able to teach these kids this. Mm -hmm. Um, And they also bring business and industry people to come in. And it ranges from everything to a proficiency, which would be your SAE project, all the way down to public speaking, agricultural sales, job interview, Parley Pro, learning how to correctly run a meeting, all these different aspects that you'd have to know in the real world. Mm-hmm. Um, and they put it in a competition event. So, And uh, what I find so unique about it, and you, you tell me if you have the same impression, but is that after you, after a student gets done with four years of FFA in high school, they come out with 
real world skills, public speaking, job interviewing, like you mentioned, Parley Pro or parliamentary procedure, the ability to run a meeting and, and they've got experience doing these things. They've been exposed to different career areas. So they go, I either like that or I already know that I don't like that one. And they can kind of hone in their direction on where they want to go with their future careers and, and what they want their life to look like. I, I just don't know of another organization where you come out of high school with that skill set and that knowledge. Yeah, I 100% agree. And the other thing that FFA offers is through those CDEs, yeah, they learn a lot of skills that they're going to use later on in life. And again, it just kind of puts them a step ahead of everyone else. Mm-hmm. It also is a social aspect that you don't find in a lot of different areas. Sometimes in today's society, we lose that social aspect of talking face-to-face and interacting. Yeah. And those kind of competitions kind of force that members have to step out of their comfort zone, go talk to people, play games, interact with one another. And just that simple social aspect of talking to other people, working on a team in those CDEs, it just, again, puts them a step ahead of every other organization just because they're more comfortable in social situations. All right. Well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take our final break, but I'm going to ask you this question before we go to our final break, then I'm going to let you think about it. So don't answer it just yet, okay? But here's what I want yeah. here's what I want to ask you and I I want you to answer this for everybody out there listening who is either considering joining the FFA or maybe they've got a son or a daughter, maybe a granddaughter, grandson, maybe a niece, maybe a nephew and they're sitting there and they're thinking FFA sounds great for them. I wonder if they should be involved, but they don't necessarily know anything about agriculture. They don't necessarily want to work in agriculture or farming or anything like that. Could they still benefit from the FFA if they're not involved in agriculture? So you think about the answer to that question, and we'll answer that when we come back. Perfect. After a long day on your feet, nothing feels better than slipping into some Twisted X moccasins. So pick up a pair at D&B Supply. These aren't your ordinary shoes. With roots in Western boots, Twisted X creates handcrafted, comfortable moccasins that stand out from the pack. They capture the spirit of the American West from the design down to the soles. Find your new favorite comfortable shoes with a pair of Twisted X moccasins available at your favorite DMB Supply. All right, Keegan. So the question <laughs> coming out of break, the question I gave you prior to break was, if somebody listening, if they're thinking that there's a young person in their life that they care about and it sounds like FFA would really, really benefit them, but that that young individual isn't necessarily knowledgeable about agriculture or they don't necessarily have any aspirations of one day working in agriculture, can the FFA still benefit them with everything that it offers? And I would say absolutely 100%. The greatest example for me would be uh, in FFA, we have 120, in the Oregon FFA, we have around 120 chapters in the state. Some of those chapters are from downtown Portland. Kids who have never seen a cow in their life, the North Clackamas FFA chapter is a great example. They have a 10-acre farm where kids can get involved in agriculture, but they have no prior knowledge of agriculture before Mm -hmm. that. But they walk in and they join FFA and they do those career development events with the help of their advisor. And even if they don't have any ag knowledge, they don't need it because that's what FFA is for. It kind of can teach you some of the basic ag knowledge because most of our members won't even go into an ag field sometimes. They'll go straight into business. They'll go straight into industry somewhere Mm -hmm. that might not be involved in agriculture. But it can teach them the basic knowledge of agriculture, which everyone needs to know within all the rural and urban divide. But it also teaches them basic skills that they need, they need to learn, like 
job interview, how to work with others, how to be on a team. And some of those bigger schools like North Clackamas being my example right now, they don't have any of that ag knowledge, but they join and they learn skills that they need in any career that they ever would need. Mm-hmm. And it's just a tier above anything else with the volunteers that we, that we get, the people who come in and train our members. They're just amazing individuals who can really set a very high example and know exactly what they're talking about. And um, anyone can learn anything that they would need in any career. How important is it to you or, or how beneficial will it be to you or to anybody else to be able to show that you were a member of the FFA on your resume when it comes time to, to go out and, and get a career? I think it's extremely beneficial. As I mentioned before, my dad, who works for um, NRCS, uh, he says when he's in an interview process, he can pick out FFA members before he's ever seen their resume. He can say this person is more comfortable talking. They're easier to talk to. They have more experience than any of my other people. And when he goes and looks at the resume to make sure every time he says it, it's an FFA member who was involved. Mm-hmm. That simple thing right there, just he can tell just right then and there that it's an FFA member because it's a tier above all the other candidates. A lot of employers enjoy that. Visited several different business industries. Uh, legis- um, they're all in great support of FFA. And they love it because it does create such good people in the workforce and no matter what Mm -hmm. job they want to go into. Very good. Well, what has it meant to you to be able to represent your home state and, of course, uh, the town of Hepner uh, as a state officer? It's pretty amazing. Um, It's kind of surreal. It hasn't really kicked in until the last little bit when I just went to D.C. a little bit ago. Mm -hmm. hasn't really kicked in that, like, wow, this is like a real deal now. Yeah. but it's great to be able to tell everyone that I'm from Habner, from Eastern Oregon, a small community who's very supportive. Um, a lot of people never heard of Habner. Uh-huh. <laughs> and um, it's just great to be able to represent my community in that way. And then also just represent such an amazing organization, um, be able to talk to legislators. And here in a couple of months, my team and I are going to um, Spain and Portugal. And we get to talk about Oregon. And we went to national convention a couple weeks ago and we were able to say hey our state does this mm-hmm. and then it kind of could help other states and we get to hear what other states do in their organizations to be able to maybe even improve ours in some ways and Oregon FFA right now is changing a lot and changing for the better I think so it's doing good so far and I think it's great to be able to be a part of that change that's happening right now. Has Hepner ever had a state officer from that chapter before? Yes so in um They've, we had four, I'm the fourth state officer to come from Hepner. Okay. So in, I think, six, 1969, we had Dave Hall, who came through. Um, and then a couple years after that, we had Julie Greed. And then we had about a 40-year break. And then in 2012, uh, Zach Kent was elected as state treasurer. Okay. And then now I just got elected. Well, Keegan, I also wanted to ask you, what kind of support does FFA get from the state of Oregon? Like, how invested is is your state in the success of the FFA? Actually, we just passed a very large bill um, with the help. It passed unanimously through the House and the Senate of Oregon. And then we went and we signed with Governor Kate Brown, and she signed our bill. And it gave a lot of funding to Oregon FFA. It gave enough money so that teachers could have um, summer contracts over the summer because some teachers, they just take time out of their day and they don't get paid during the summer to take kids on these amazing trips to Mm -hmm. 
Indianapolis, Washington, D.C. to be able to learn all these different things and experience new experiences. But the ag teachers don't get paid for it. So it's time away from their families and everything. Um, so it's a way for them to be able to get paid for some of their hard work. And then it also opens up a lot of new doors for Oregon FFA in the sense that uh, we get to hire some new people in order to develop new leadership curriculum for our members and be able to raise funding. So we now are affiliate membership, mm-hmm. meaning um, instead of having about six, about 6,000 members, 7,000 members, we can almost go up to 12,000 members with affiliate membership, meaning kids don't have to pay to be an FFA. If they're automatically okay. in that class, they don't have to pay for membership. Okay. They're automatically going to be involved. So it doesn't it does take a hit on the family either. And that also helps Oregon at the national level and it helps FFA. And it just opens up more opportunities for members because it's not going to be so much money out of their pocket, but the legislative is trying to support us. So if you want to get involved, there's no reason not to because we're getting support from legislator now to be able to help with um, membership and it's not as much money for families or for members at all. Great. Okay. Well, I'm glad to hear that there is that support for this great program in Oregon. Yeah. Well, this has been great, Keegan. If there's somebody out there listening and they're thinking that FFA sounds like a great place for for somebody in their life to be while they're in high school, how would they go about finding out more information and, and maybe even uh, joining? There's local chapters in almost every state or every town in the state. So you could go talk to your local advisor and get involved at a chapter level. And even if you are not a member or not old enough to be a member, you can be involved in alumni programs and be able to support the kids in your community. And to be part of alumni program, you do not need to be an FFA prior. You can just join and help support the kids of the community. At a state level, um, there's uh, OregonFFA.com where you can come and talk to our state staff, contact them. Um, there's several different programs to be able to donate it to Oregon FFA, mm-hmm. but basically on OregonFFA.com is a great resource. It's a great website to be able to learn more about it. And then at the local level, just go talk to your ag advisor. They'd be, love to talk to you. I want to put them on the spot. <laughs> Very good. Well, Keegan, best of luck to you with the rest of your, your time as a state officer. Congratulations. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you all for joining us today, and here is to you and your pursuit of the country lifestyle, however you define it. For the DNB Show, I'm Matt Breckwald.